The following KQED production was produced in high definition. My name is Tyrone Hayes, and I am a professor of integrative biology at the University of California at Berkeley. It's very clear right now that there is a global decline in amphibians, um, including local populations as well as entire species that have gone extinct. My focus right now tends to be more local on the threatened species that we know about here in California. The causes for that are very complex. Pesticides, I think, are playing a key role. And I always point out to people that the only difference between the big healthy frog upstream and the little frog downstream is that the little frog is living in water that runs off of our food. California is interesting because California actually uses more pesticides than any other state in the Union. And it's in part because California supplies 50% of the U.S.'s food. 50% of the U.S.'s agricultural products come from California. That means that we're using a lot more pesticides, so it's a very special case and, and, and raises a lot of concern for amphibians in California. Our work in particular is looking at pesticide mixtures. The fact is that animals that are exposed, or people that are exposed to pesticides, are never exposed to one at a time. So our laboratory work has shown that when amphibian larvae, tadpoles, are exposed to a pesticide mixture, they experience a stress response. Their stress hormone levels increase, and that leads to retarded growth, retarded development, impaired immune function, which leads to increased disease rates. So we've been studying amphibians in the field in the wild in the Salinas River Valley, and we've been studying them upstream of the agriculture, so in clean water and in a healthy environment, and we find animals that are very healthy and doing very well. And then we also study them downstream of agriculture, where there's lots of pesticides, lots of agricultural runoff. And downstream of agriculture, we find the same thing that we find in the laboratory. Retarded growth, retarded development, impaired immune function, animals with higher parasite loads that may lead to declines in those areas. The pesticide that we've studied the most is atrazine. It's an herbicide or weed killer, and it is number one or number two used pesticide in the world. In the U.S., we use about 80 million pounds a year of atrazine. That's a lot. A half million pounds come down into rainwater every year. That's a lot of atrazine. But when you start to talk about how much it takes to make hermaphroditic frog, the number starts to sound small, 0.1 micrograms per liter or 0.1 parts per billion. It's one one-thousandth of a grain of salt. Doesn't sound like much at all. You know, that, that should raise concern. But, um, when you start to look at, for example, 0.1 parts per billion is what makes hermaphroditic, chemically castrated frogs, okay? If you look in the urine of farm workers in California who apply atrazine, they can have levels that are 2,400 parts per billion in their urine. So just to give you perspective, so an average applicator, farm worker using atrazine has 24,000 times the atrazine in his urine that it takes to chemically castrate a frog. And what I often also point out to people is the levels of pesticides that we're looking at in the laboratory are below what the EPA allows in drinking water. You might be drinking water that's 20, 30 parts per billion. You know, that's 300 times what we know to be effective in animals. And people also have to realize that uh, our exposure might be different, but with continued exposure, the same types of effects that occur in amphibians and lab rats occur in humans. It might be more difficult because, for example, in frogs, we can look at three generations in a couple of years and see those effects. I would argue that you, know, you want to put more 
emphasis on the lab studies to help us understand the adverse effects rather than waiting around to see what's going to happen to our children and to our grandchildren. If we just look at amphibians, there are a total of 38 studies, published, peer-reviewed studies that show that atrazine has an impact on amphibians. On the other side, there are nine studies total that suggest that atrazine has no adverse effects. Every single one of those was published by the same group of people funded by the manufacturer. The EPA itself has relied heavily on industry's science to, in fact, they just had another review, and they focused a review entirely on one study conducted by the EPA and paid for by Syngenta. I have not said, nor will I ever say, that atrazine caused a global amphibian decline, nor will I say that pesticides have caused a global amphibian decline. Are, is atrazine a, a key harmful pesticide in, in an interaction of multiple causes? Yes, I believe so. Are pesticides intricately involved in interactions between several key factors in amphibian declines? Yes, I firmly believe that. Are pesticides involved in all population declines or all species? No. I'm not Mr. Get rid of all the pesticides. Here's what motivates me about atrazine. The most reliable estimates suggest that it only increases corn deal by 1.2%. One study just came out that says not at all. So when you start to rack up all the studies that have looked at atrazine and wildlife and all the studies that have looked at atrazine and human health, getting rid of it becomes a no-brainer. I think just like the global climate change, that the discussions over whether or not global amphibian declines are real, I think are over. We know now that they are. We've, we've, in our lifetime, I and other scientists have witnessed places that we used to be able to go and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of frogs and dozens of species and now that's just not true anymore. So it's not a silver lining, but at least now the debate's over. We know that it's here and now it's time to figure out why and how we can curb it or stop it even. Keep Quest free. Discover more and donate at kqed.org quest.